Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Rob Wolf, and welcome to episode number 74 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history. As to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in some way, unformidable. Well, I hate that I have to do this, but I didn't feel it was right not to, in some way, honor Pedro Feliciano. Uh, typically here at Unformidable, we focus on Mets with shorter tenures with the team, maybe a memorable moment or two, or players who are more notable in other parts of their baseball career, and only maybe briefly were a part of the Mets family, but, well, well, there's a word there, family. I mean, um, I've always known, but I've really realized lately, given how much they've been criticized, how much I treat the Mets like family. In particular, that feature, I think, very Typical to many families where I will criticize the Mets to no end, but when I see other people do it, when I hear other people do it, I bristle uncontrollably and turn around and defend them even when generally they don't deserve defense. But beyond that, we certainly let these players that don the orange and blue into our lives. They contribute to our moods and our feelings probably more than is reasonably sane or healthy, but so it goes. So when someone steps into or takes center stage, even for a batter or so, uh, steps into our lives 484 times, not to mention, I believe, six more in the playoffs, it bears mention. Uh, They, of course, make a mark, and it makes uh, the untimely passing of Pedro Feliciano something that really hit home for all Met fans earlier this month. So I thought it was only appropriate to look back at the baseball life of Pedro Feliciano, uh, a winding path that somehow always led back to Queens. For while a part of many MLB organizations and even played professionally overseas, um, in Major League Baseball terms, Pedro Feliciano was very much one of our own as Met fans. Uh, in MLB terms, in fact, he was the now very rare player who actually only suited up professionally as a New York Met. 
Pedro Juan Feliciano Molina was born on August 25, 1976, in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico. He graduated from Jose S. Algeria High School in Dorado, in Puerto Rico, and he was selected out of high school by the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, in the 31st round of the 1995 Major League Baseball draft, and he signed with and joined the Dodgers organization. He not very physically imposing 5'10", 195, and a 31st round draft pick, and, you know, not a hard thrower. Uh, Feliciano is obviously not a prized prospect, and he would begin the long slog through the Dodgers organization that that many start, and, well, of course, many never make it as far as Feliciano did, but it was a slog. He, he made a couple of starts in early in his minor league career, but it was pretty clear early on if he was going to have a future, it would be as a reliever, and that, of course, pitching from the old southpaw side would, of course, be a boon in his potential career trajectory, uh, but it would not happen with the Dodgers organization. He was there from 95 through 2001, made it as high as AAA very briefly a couple of times, but never to the majors, and after the 2001 season, signed as a minor league free agent with the Cincinnati Reds. The 2001 Mets, of course, had a disappointing start to the season, coming off their National League Championship of the previous season, and the two playoff appearances in a row, so rare for this franchise. But, you know, the 2001 team had the Piazza moment, that late post-9-11 mini-run that felt like a fun coda to the couple of wildly successful close-but-no-cigar seasons, and really marked the end of the peak Bobby V era. 2002, the Mets hoped to recapture that magic, but in fact was a very desultory season. Honestly, one of my least favorite Met teams in memory. Uh, just another Met season of big name, over-the-hill, ill-fated acquisitions. Uh, Jeremy Burnett's move on, Roberto Alomar, that utterly, utterly faltered. And aside from the case of Alomar, which, you know, I mean, he had come off in your MVP season, but the others just seemed ill-advised from the get-go, easy to first guess, why would you bring in these players past their prime type moves. But anyway, all of that is to say by August of 2002, uh, the Mets found themselves t- approximately 20 games behind the Atlanta Braves, well out of any semblance of a pennant race or wild card chase under 500. So they traded Sean Estes, who was brought in prior to the season to bolster the pitching staff and basically came in to throw a ball behind Roger Clemens's ass, but at least hit a home run off of him. But in that August of 2002, uh, past the July 31st trade deadline, uh, Estes, I assume, cleared waivers. And the Cincinnati Reds were scrapping to try and sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. And so Estes was sent to the Cincinnati Reds for what seemed like a pretty minor price at the time. Uh, You know, one of those minor trades where you don't expect to get anything of note. And it seemed that the Mets didn't. Uh, Acquiring little-known Pedro Feliciano, along with Elvin Beltre, and a couple of players to be named later, 
for Sean Estes. Little did we know at the time that the Mets had just acquired the pitcher who would ultimately wind up making the second most appearances for the franchise in its history before his career would be done. Feliciano would report to Norfolk in AAA, but would get called up when the September rosters were expanded, and he made his MLB debut with the Mets on September 4th of 2002, pitching the last two innings in an 11-3 blowout win against the Marlins. Uh, Feliciano entered in the 8th with the Mets up 10-3, retired his first batter, Luis Castillo, on a flyout to center, and would throw two scoreless innings, allowing only a walk, and striking out a pair, Derek Lee and Mike Lowell, in the ninth inning. Uh, two pretty good right-handed hitters in their time. And while, yeah, primarily known as a loogie, he had some faith in him against some right-handed batters. He would uh, you know, trust him against a few, although the stats certainly uh, are do show a dramatic split in his performance against lefties versus righties over his career. At any rate, we can get more into that shortly, but uh, suffice it to say, as a September call-up and a not highly regarded prospect, he got very little high-leverage work and actually appeared in only a handful of games and throwing six innings and surrendering five runs in 2002. Uh, The only game he came into that you could consider... Uh, it was a little late to be high leverage, but he came into a tie game against the Phillies in mid-September and surrendered singles to Jimmy Rollins and Bobby Abreu, not recording an out, but uh, would certainly augur as to what his future would hold. As uh, Without looking at the stats, I would hazard a guess that Feliciano pitched against the Phillies more than any other team, as my perpetual memories of him are him coming in to face Ryan Howard and or Chase Utley, and most likely both of them in big spots in big games. But not only did we not know that the Mets had acquired someone who had become a somewhat memorable figure in the franchise, they didn't either. Uh, The team allowed him to be selected off of waivers by the Tigers after the 2002 season, Uh, but Feliciano was released before spring training and signed back with the Mets prior to the 03 season. 2003 and 2004 would see Feliciano ride the AAA shuttle back and forth between uh, AAA and the majors, uh, but you know both seasons probably spending more time than not in the minors. He probably pitched more effectively in 2003 when he got an opportunity, although in 2004 he did get a chance to win his first, record his first career Major League victory in only his third appearance of the season. On August 4th, 2004, Feliciano relieved Steve Traxel in a game the Mets were trailing 3-1. One on and one out, Feliciano recorded two strikeouts for striking out Jeff Jenkins and Russell Brannion. As I recall, pretty good power-hitting lefties, but uh, low-average types in particular, I think, was a big three true outcome kind of guy. At any rate, uh, the Mets would rally for four runs in the top of the seventh, uh, making Feliciano the pitcher of record, and they would hold on and give him his first career victory. After the 2004 season, the uh, Feliciano was brought on by the Fukuoka Diehawks of the 
Japan Pacific League. And he would spend all of 2005 in Japan uh, before signing once again with our New York Mets on February 28th of 2006, right before spring training would start. And this would begin the stretch five years from 2006 to 2010, where Feliciano appeared in an ascending order uh, from year to year, 64 games, 78, 86, 88, and 92, the latter three numbers leading the league each season in appearances, the stretch for which he is best known, and along which, somewhere along the line, I think more in the latter few years, uh, Gary Cohen, of course, gave him the moniker Perpetual Pedro, uh, play, of course, I think on Everyday Eddie of Eddie Guardado fame, who, by the way, the most games he ever appeared in in a season, 83, so... But they had let him go a couple of times and brought him back. They would do so again. Basically, the Mets didn't quite know what they had in Feliciano or what to do with him. When he came back um, from Japan, he was throwing actually largely overhand, uh, struggling to get lefty hitters out. Um, the Mets were actually considering sending him to AAA and converting him to a starter. Um, obviously, of the 2006 to 2010 era 2006 by far the Mets best season it was also Feliciano's best season but it started out with the team considering converting him to starter and actually if that team had a weakness it was uh, the rotation but uh, in spring training Peterson uh, thinking that the team had more of a need in the bullpen and that that was where Feliciano could be most effective uh, suggested that he drop his arm slot down to that which I think we remember more with that more three quarters to sideways delivery as a way to better attack left-handed pitchers. Feliciano was not only open to it, but uh, quickly adapted to it and quickly saw where it would potentially help him flourish in this new role. He did, um, I think, start the season very briefly in AAA to you know get more innings uh, and get more settled into this kind of new whip-like delivery that he was going to implement but he would soon come up and become a mainstay of that 2006 bullpen. And it really was an astonishing bullpen during the regular season, uh, anchored, of course, by Billy Wagner as the closer, uh, Aaron Heilman and Duaner Sanchez in the uh, kind of setup roles, and Chad Bradford basically being the right-handed Feliciano with his submarine delivery, and Feliciano as the kind of earlier inning uh, specialists to, you know, kind of attack depending on what side of the plate the majority of the batters would be coming up in in those sixth, seventh inning type roles. Really was the, a huge key, to really the offense and the bullpen, I think, carry that team. Those five pitchers, Heilman had the highest ERA at 3.62, uh, and really just, I think, the equilibrium of that bullpen obviously very famously got thrown off by Duaner Sanchez's unfortunate cab accident and injury but with this new delivery new to uh, hitters who perhaps had seen him before or had seen tape of him Feliciano really thrived of those five pitchers he posted the lowest ERA at 2.09 it was also the closest he came to pitching and inning a game uh, over the course of his seasons he appeared in 64 games and threw 60 and a third innings uh, and he actually went seven and two on the year 
In true perpetual Pedro fashion, he appeared in all three games of the Mets' uh, divisional series sweep of the Dodgers, uh, throwing an inning in two-thirds and picking up the win in the clinching game three. In very relief pitcher vulture win fashion, he came in to relieve Chad Bradford with the bases loaded and actually walked James Loney to uh, put the Dodgers ahead 5-4. Then with the bases loaded, required uh, retired Nomar Garciaparra on a comebacker to freeze the score at 5-4. The Mets would rally for a couple of runs off of Jonathan Broxton in the top of the six to go ahead 6-5, ultimately winning the game 9-5 and making Feliciano the winning pitcher in the clinch of that delightful series sweep. Luciano would only appear in three of the seven games against the Cardinals in the seven in the NLCS in 2006. Uh, that Cardinal team was really pretty heavily right-handed. Uh, Jim Edmonds is the only left-handed threat that I remember, but there was a lot of, you know, Pujols, Roland, Encarnacion, Preston Wilson, so um, I feel like he didn't, uh, didn't get implemented as often as Bradford and God help us, Guillermo Moda and Aaron Heilman in that series. But, you know, we touched on the numbers already. I mean, after that season, uh, the Mets' bullpen would become much more in flux, uh, particularly as Wagner succumbed to injury during the later in the 2007 season. And, you know, uh, maybe the, 2006 might be the last year that I remember the Mets having a, what I would consider a strong regular season bullpen but despite that, Feliciano really became a mainstay. Uh, as we said, 78 games in 2007, 86 appearances in 08, 88 in 2009, 92 in 2010. He recorded four career saves as a Met, uh, two of them in uh, 2007, uh, the first on June 30th against the Phillies, an 8-3 Met victory, uh, very as you might imagine, I think both of them had very similar circumstances where he entered the game where it was, you know, late and close. It was uh, 3-1 in the eighth inning, and Heilman came... Uh, Heilman. Uh, he relieved Heilman and came in to face Utley Howard and Aaron Rowan, striking out uh, uh, the first and the last batter and getting Howard to fly out to center. When the Mets went ahead, uh, extended the lead to 5-1 in the ninth, Feliciano stayed on pitched a 1-2-3-9th for his first career save. In perhaps even more impressive fashion, and one of the best Feliciano box scores I could imagine, uh, he came in in the 8th inning of a 4-1 Mets lead on September 1st of 2007 in the 8th inning, uh, and uh, got Julio Franco to fly out to left, and then struck out Matt Diaz and Kelly Johnson. Uh, the Mets extended the lead to 5-1, to and they left Feliciano in to close out the game, and he struck out the side in the ninth, uh, and that side was Chipper Jones, Mark Teixeira, and Brian McCann. So a very well-earned second career save. It would not be 2007, though. We would be remiss if we didn't notice some uh, some struggles down the stretch. Uh, again, Feliciano felt like one of the more reliable ones, and... Uh, in the bullpen, in a bullpen that was really terrible, but particularly um, September 15th, uh, when the Mets, probably with one win, could have put away the Phillies and avoided a massive collapse. Uh, They were ahead 3-1 
Going into the seventh, the Phillies cut it to 3-2 in the seventh uh, off of Feliciano. Not entirely his fault. Uh, he surrendered a leadoff double uh, who came around to score on an error by Carlos Delgado. Uh, but then he did surrender uh, the game-tying home run to Aaron Rowan in the top of the eighth. Uh, he'd get relieved by Jorge Sosa, who would allow the Phillies to take a 5-3 lead in one of many crushing September defeats. And the other game I remember, uh, which really wasn't very much Feliciano's fault either, was the Philip Umber game, which we covered. I think we just covered Philip Umber on Unformidable earlier. Uh, when the Mets had a 6-2 lead against the then lowly Nationals in the fifth inning, uh, Umber and then Joe Smith uh, kind of began to crumble. Uh, Feliciano came in with the Mets clinging to a 6-5 lead and struck out Ryan Church, uh, but did give up a double to Wiley Mo Pena that put the Nationals ultimately ahead to stay. Uh, they went ahead 7-6 and won the game 9-6 and one of... Uh, one of many, well, you know, every defeat matters when you lose by one game. But I mean, in a bullpen that prominently featured Scott Schoenweiss and Guillermo Mota and Jorge Sosa, uh, even down the stretch, uh, Feliciano was one of the few, if not the only pitcher, I felt some uh, comfort in or some le less dread than most when he came into the games. Uh, in those years. He truly spanned eras for us, Feliciano. He pitched for Bobby Valentine, as we touched on, and there he was in 2008, of course, pitching in the final game at Shea Stadium, uh, missed by one batter, actually being the last Met to take the mound at Shea, which in retrospect would have been much more appropriate. Uh, he relieved Luis Ayala in the top of the ninth, uh, struck out John Baker of the Marlins, uh, his one and only batter got replaced by Bobby Parnell, who retired Jorge Cantu on a fly ball to deep center, the last opposition at bat at Shea Stadium in 2008. And of course, in 2009, he was back on the mound in the very first game the Mets played at City Field, uh, relieving Brian Stokes in the top of the sixth and balking in uh, the go-ahead run which would ultimately be the winning run in the Padres' 6-5 uh, win in that game. Uh, inherited run, so the loss went to, went to Stokes, of course. I mean, as noted, he had a better than 50-50 chance of getting in these games. Uh, and, you know, again, 88 appearances in 2009, only 59 and a third innings pitched. Uh, 92 appearances in 2010, 66 and 62 and two-thirds innings pitched, pardon me. Uh, of those five years, only 2008 is the only one where his ERA crept above four at 4.05, which I know isn't always the best measure of a reliever's acumen, but nonetheless. After the 2010 season and his 92 appearances, uh, Feliciano signed a free agent contract across town in the Bronx with the Yankees prior to the 2011 season. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he endured major shoulder problems. Unfortunately for him, nearly uh, just unfortunately, uh, his shoulder problems ended his season, and he actually never stepped on the field for the Yankees. As I said at the beginning, he never stepped on a major league field uh, in you know 
every day, uh, regular season or postseason play in any uniform besides the Mets. At the time, I remember, you know, being a jerk and being kind of delighted more more than anything that you know the Yankees actually made a poor signing, uh, signed you know damaged goods and injured player. Seemed like that was what always happened to the Mets. Although you know, thinking about it in retrospect, again that's a player's career and you know, a player who obviously we wore down to a nub and uh, you know making those you know close to 500 appearances. Uh, certainly had an effect on Pedro Feliciano's shoulder and damaged his future, uh, one would have to say. In 2013, at the age of 36, he signed back with the Mets. He came home one last time, uh, tried to battle through those shoulder woes, uh, was injured a lot of that year, uh, but he spent part of it in St. Lucie, and he did make a number of appearances with the Mets in 2013. Appearing in 25 games for the Mets, mostly later in the season, he, from August 2nd through to the end of the year, uh, he went 0-2, uh, appeared in, as I said, I think 25 games, uh, pitching 11 and a third innings. Not his best season, but he went out in style on the next-to-last game of the season against the Brewers at City Field. Uh, Feliciano came on in a 1-1 game in the top of the seventh and struck out the only two batters he faced, Sean Halton and Logan Schaefer, uh, preserving the 1-1 tie, uh, relieved by David Ardsma when Aramis Ramirez came up to pinch hit. Uh, That would be Feliciano's final of his 484 regular season appearances on the mound with the Mets. For his career... Uh, Feliciano recorded a record of 22 wins and 21 losses. I realize not the best metric for a relief pitcher, especially one of Feliciano's ilk, usually facing inherited runners and so forth, but still always interesting. Uh, His ERA was uh, 3.33. Nice, even-ish ERA. Uh, Again, he appeared in 484 games, uh, recorded four career saves, uh, those 484 games, uh, he pitched in 383 and two-thirds innings, walking 165, striking out 350. According to Baseball Reference, he had a career war of 5.7, 5.7 B war, including a pretty studly for a relief pitcher 1.9 war in that 2006 season. A true loogie in spirit and memory, but also in practice. Uh, if you look at his career splits, uh, he held left-handers to a 211 batting average and a 576 OPS over his career, uh, only a 297 slugging percentage. Um, right-handers hit him to a 287 tune, uh, 427 slugging, 809 OPS. I mean, not as bad as a would have guessed, but um, obviously a pretty stark difference. And yes, I'll remember Feliciano coming in often for those big lefties, for those Ryan Howard and Chase Utley, to turn Chipper Jones around to the right side. Uh, You know, those were not, even if it was one, two, three batters a game, they often were not easy batters. Looking at Feliciano's career stats on baseball reference, uh, a couple of other things really made me smile. Uh, the third most similar pitcher to Feliciano over the course of his career. 
none other than Aaron Loop, who, as I was recording this, I learned will no longer be a Met, and thus someday, I guess 20 years from now, some iteration of this podcast will be waxing poetic about Aaron Loop and his absurd 0.95 one-year ERA, one-year career with the Mets. In the similarity scores by age, uh, at age 32, the most similar pitcher to Pedro Feliciano was Jerry Blevins. Um, Interesting to me, too, though, that, you know, those are three names that, in my opinion at least, uh, Feliciano, Loop, Blevins, pretty rare in the annals of Mets pitchers, uh, Mets relievers, as it were. What's the uh, what's the lo- the line in those pretentious Batman movies? Uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Uh, well, Aaron Loop, I guess, in his Mets tenure, died a hero. Um, dying being an inappropriate metaphor uh, in this podcast. Now that I think about it, but most Met relievers hang along long enough to, I think, not inspire much love. But. Uh, Pedro Feliciano is that rare pitcher who made it through his Met gauntlet emerging on the other side. Uh, If not beloved, largely respected and appreciated, I think both in his time with the Mets and afterwards in his quote-unquote legacy as a Met uh, perpetual Pedro, uh, remembered for both his ability and his results. But of course, uh, it's hard not to admire that ability and willingness to take the ball whenever called upon. I'd be pretty surprised, even before his untimely death, to hear any grousing from anyone but the most jaded of Met fans about Pedro Feliciano. Uh, And of course, you know, when he's tragically an untimely passing, there's a lot of fond remembrances of him, uh, both his teammates remembering what a kind and jovial and joking presence he was in the clubhouse, Um, a lot of fans remembering how he was always present, uh, signing autographs and, you know, being a presence as a Met alum, even after his career ended. Um, but again, the, the, the largest takeaway and the thing that everyone will remember about him is just the sheer volume of games he pitched in and that beautiful Gary Cohen alliterative nickname, thank God his first name began with a P, uh, in remembering uh, him in his untimely passing, Willie Randolph, who you know, probably called on him more than anyone, said, I never had a call down to the pen to see if he was ready. He always was. I know sometimes he had to be tired, but he never let us know. It's a beauty of being a Met fan, I think, that we have our full heroes, and sometimes we love and remember them as much or more as the rare true stars that, uh, run across our New York Met cosmos. I mean, of course, we love our and and deify uh, our Seavers and Piazzas and David Wrights and Jacob de Grams and woe be to them who do not hold them on the pedestal that we do. But we have, if not a singular, um, a special ability, I think, to appreciate the folk heroes, the, the quirky players, the players who have one do one amazing thing like an Andy Chavez or the players who hang around forever perhaps more despite of you know their seeming ability such as an Ed Cranepool or a Ron Hodges uh, rather than you know sticking around because of sheer ability or you know sheer like uh, David Wright does so in many ways Pedro Feliciano is a very 
perfect and appropriate met. Uh, dogged perseverance, showing up day after day, no matter what. He earned our appreciation, and he earned our love, and he'll forever be part of our New York Mets family. And we mourn his untimely passing at the age of 45, but we truly appreciate the many times we got to see Pedro Feliciano take the mound as a New York Met. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find this, all of our amazing pods, wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets.